You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Your district has been on the precipice of chaos all day long. They've been drinking, they've been partying, and they've been getting ready because tonight Milwaukee has the opportunity to do something hasn't done in my entire lifetime, win an NBA championship. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. So uh, we're taking you up to coverage of Game 6 of the NBA Finals on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight. The Bucks host the Suns, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. And, Sarah, that means it's Power Hour. we got a lot to get into over the course of the next hour, but most of our focus is going to be on what could happen in Milwaukee because I'm telling you, everybody has seen the Deer District. Everybody has seen the party in the streets. And this is that moment that I think a lot of NBA fans hoped at some point could be on the horizon where a team that maybe isn't in L.A. or in New York and a team that's done it slightly differently is sitting right there saying, we can win this championship. Listen, you and I have not been shy about announcing that the Bucks are a team that we root for. They are my side piece. You don't really have a main squeeze in, in hoops, so maybe they're your main squeeze. But either way, without having an official allegiance based on location or anything to Milwaukee, I've just been so enamored of Giannis Antetokounmpo ever since he got into the league, both physically in the way that he plays and how much fun it is to watch him play but also his attitude, his approach in recent days, the way he's talking about, you know, the ego and pride and and being in the moment and all this stuff, a very thoughtful guy. And then you look at the way this team has built, and it is a great thing for the NBA. For all the morons talking about how this is bad for ratings and bad for the NBA, guess what? This gives every fan hope in their market that they do not need to go root for a New York or an L.A. instead, that they can be able to keep their superstars Go out and put talent around them. And it took a lot, Fitz, to go out and get the talent that they needed to elevate themselves. But if it works, it's a blueprint for other teams that have always maybe not been willing to cash their chips in enough to 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 really give it a go. And I like to see it. And, you know, when you look at any market that's been 30-plus years waiting for this, uh, it's it's fun to see what could happen tonight. Let's get to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And and I think the point you just made there is so important to the NBA. In my mind, when I look at Giannis and when I look at Milwaukee, like you have to look at a little bit of short term and long term to what this entire series is going to mean. Now, in the short term, sure, people will talk about what what is interesting to NBA fans, to casual NBA fans in the long term. We've talked a lot over the last couple of weeks about the new stars that have been made through this playoff run for Phoenix and for Milwaukee. But realistically, I have to look at the long term also to your point and say, hey, this is proof of concept for every great player that can look around and say, hey, I don't necessarily have to do it that way. I don't necessarily have to go be part of a super team over here, a super team over there. And it's proof of concept to all of us that cover the NBA that we at times become so enamored with certain brands coming together like Voltron when, in fact, Transformers were better than Voltron, Sarah. Like, and, you know, whoa. sometimes you just need whoa, one Whoa, whoa, whoa. There robot. will be no Voltron slander on this show. I mean, Voltron That's was enough. okay. It was nope. okay. But, nope. I mean, no, nope. oh, nope. okay. That's okay. enough. Okay. That's enough. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We are pro Voltron here. Just wanted you to know that. Uh, We are presented by Progressive Insurance also. So one of the things that I think will come out of this is just a renewed focus, to your point, on some of the teams trying to make it happen without the super team, without, you know, the collusion in the offseason, and a focus on 
uh, Milwaukee, or as some would say, Miliwaukee. Actually, it's pronounced Miliwaukee, which is Algonquin <laughs> for the good land. Thank you, Alice Cooper. A focus on how they did it, right? And as we're looking around the league to some other stars that we wish would stay and we want to win where they are, whether that's, you know, the biggest one probably being Dame Lillard with the Blazers, is trying to see what you can replicate from what just happened here. On the other side, there is a great story to be had if the Suns fight their way back because even though the younger players on this team have a big window, the window for Chris Paul is closing. And it has been really fun to see him take advantage of this first finals appearance, but his first couple games really operated in the way that benefited the Suns and allowed them to play the game that got them here. And one of the biggest statistics fits is that potential assists, which are defined by NBA stats as passes to a teammate who shoots within one dribble of receiving the ball. So that doesn't mean the ball went in, but potential assists. They had 53 of those in game one. The figure has dropped in every single game down to a low point of 29 in game five, the lowest in any game all season. The Bucks have managed to take the ball out of Chris Paul's hands to not allow them to move the offense for the, for the pick and rolls and the drive and kicks and the things that got every hand touching the ball. And when you, when you talk about the way the Suns have found the magic that they have, that's it right there. It's not Booker putting up huge numbers. It's moving the ball through Chris Paul and getting it to everyone. And Rachel Nichols talked about Monty Williams needing to harp back on something he said all season. All season, Monty Williams has preached the .5 offense. Not seven seconds or left, .5 seconds. And the idea is that within half a second, as a Suns player, you are supposed to be able to make a decision. Do you drive, pass, or shoot? Those three things. That's not happening if a guy is ISO, 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 ISO. Yeah, and that's the problem is it looks good to have Booker, but this team was predicated on all of these guards being effective, on Milwaukee playing good defense and still not being able to keep switching, adjusting, closing to stop them. And that's gone away because of mostly Holiday picking up Paul at half court and making life miserable, not allowing the offense to run through them, but also because the, the, the Suns have let the Bucks dictate style. So if they want to fight their way back in this and get this storybook ending of Chris Paul finally getting that, you know, all that elusive championship, that's the key tonight. Yeah, it's so crazy when you talk about dictating style because it's just hard for me to see Phoenix coming in because Phoenix just hasn't necessarily been able to match the energy of Milwaukee coming into the uh, to coming into Milwaukee in these games that have been uh, there. They haven't been able to match that energy at all in my mind. And so asking them to do that now when there is so much on the line is a little bit chaotic to me. Like it's just the, the concept of Phoenix being able to dictate tempo now is one of the hardest things for me to wrap my head around viably happening. So, you know, that that's why to me, I feel like the cards have sort of laid out really well. I fully expected Phoenix to be able to win the last game. And when they were up big, I thought, hey, you know what? This is the way this series is going to go. The home team's going to win every time. And Milwaukee took all of those punches. It came back. I, I don't know how Phoenix rebounds from letting a game get away that I think they've got to look at and feel like they had a real shot at. And now they've got to go to Milwaukee where they just haven't played well. And by the way, Budenholzer, who, you know, we've talked to harshly, everybody's talked harshly about. I found it interesting. Our stats and info pointed out that Coach Bud is one of the most successful coaches in NBA history in clinching scenarios. Mm-hmm. He's nine and two in clinching games. That's the second best win percentage of any coach in NBA playoff history. So for all of the things that we've said that he doesn't do well, he's sitting here now doing in a situation that well, he does handle well. Agreed, but that's clinching situations, which you have to put yourself in the opportunity to clinch, which doesn't happen if you're getting swept or bounced well ahead of the expectations for your squad, right? That's been a lot of the criticism of the Bucks. They don't put themselves in position for that stat to be applicable. Um, to your point real quick, 
the Suns need to finish, and that sounds simple, but they shot a split of 55, 68, and 91 in game five, and they still lost. You mm. you should not lose a game where you're shooting 55% from the field, 68 from three, and 91 from free throw. Because down the stretch, when it was just about individual possessions and last shots, passes, rebounds, etc., they, they couldn't match the Bucks, and that's been the story, is that clutch couple minutes at the end, the turnovers, not taking care of the ball, and being out-rebounded and out-transitioned by the Bucks, which has happened across the whole series and comes to a specific head right in those clutch minutes. That's some straight talk. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. All right, we're going to keep breaking down everything you know. That's a little bit of the Milwaukee side of it. Coming up, we'll talk to the GOAT. Doris Burke will join us. We'll find out what she thinks the Suns need to do to force a Game 7. That's next on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Remember, we're short tonight because we're getting you all the way up to Game 6 of the NBA Finals that you can hear right here on ESPN Radio. Obviously, all ears and eyes will be on Phoenix trying to extend this to Game 7. Milwaukee trying to do what we haven't seen since 1971 and win an NBA championship. So we're going to get some insight from this on the Goodyear Hotline. We'll head over there now where we're joined by ESPN NBA analyst Doris Burke. Doris, realistically, what does Phoenix need to do in this game to just extend their life in this series? Hey, Doris, can you hear us? I'm not sure if Doris has got us. We'll keep working on we it. We are getting a nice just kind of background music, though, like yeah. she's setting the scene. Maybe she's that's, just letting us know that things are rocking. That's got to be DJ Shauna, too, like friend of the show, oh, yeah, DJ Shauna. friend of the show, yeah. DJ I mean, Shauna. Yeah, she came on with us. We was on the podcast, which, by the way, you should subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. I think we have her now. Uh, Doris Burke joining us. Doris, what do the Suns need to do to keep themselves alive in this series? All right, we got more background noise. Yeah, hey, Doris, you got us? I got you, Sarah. Right. Do you have me? Yeah, We okay. do. Good. All right, so Fitz is good, wondering good. what the Suns have to do to uh, force a game seven. Well, I think their shot selection is going to be critical tonight. Uh, you know, they built a first quarter lead in the last game uh, based on what they were doing offensively and then came out and had early threes, and it let Milwaukee back into the game. Uh and think back to the Milwaukee Bucks in game two where Giannis took five threes. Like, as the series wears on, to me, shot selection becomes more and more critical. Turnovers, minimizing them, become more and more critical. So for me, the Phoenix Suns have got to move the basketball from side to side. One of the things John Barry has stressed throughout the course of this series is the switching of the Milwaukee Bucks has turned Phoenix into a one-on-one basketball team. It's all middle of the floor, mid-range attacks by Chris Paul and Devin Booker. It has to be more diverse than that. Doris, you know, one of the things I was talking about in the last segment is potential assists or what they call, um, you know, these ability to create an assist. The ball doesn't have to actually go in, but a teammate who shoots within one dribble. Went from 53 in the first game down in every single game to 29, the team's lowest in any game all season. To me, that's all about the offense needing to run through Chris Paul. Great to have Devin Booker be able to score. Great for them to shoot as well as they did in Game 5. But that motion offense that they had perfected seems to be gone. How do you counteract what they're doing with Holiday, picking up Paul at half court, and force the game through Chris Paul? Yeah, I mean, listen, you're talking about assist chances, which is really kind of where I was going with the first answer, because we asked Monty Williams that exact question you just asked me, Sarah, and he said, listen, the ball has got to change sides of the floor. And obviously, you know, we call Chris 
uh, Paul the point god for a reason. But make no mistake, the point you make about Drew Holiday is one of the biggest parts of this series that I think has been undersold is the pressure applied consistently now for four straight games. I mean, the guy is 6'3", 205. Chris is 6'6", 1", and 175 pounds. Like, what they're doing is they're making him uncomfortable. They're impairing his vision. Because, Sarah, you know this. Chris Paul has 16 years of institutional knowledge. He came into the league with an incredible feel and the ability to dominate and pick and roll action. But the fact of the matter is, if you allow Chris Paul with all of those attributes to survey the floor and be comfortable, he is going to make your life a living hell, which is what happened in the first game in particular. So I think, obviously, they are going to try to maybe get Chris Paul the ball. If he gives it up early, can get it back on the second side action, and now you're attacking a closeout, or now you're attacking a rotation. That changes the equation. We're talking to ESPN NBA analyst Doris Burke, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So, Doris, there's been a lot of conversation about Giannis and the limitations he has at times as a player. But even with those limitations, he's absolutely demolished Phoenix and really played incredibly well throughout the playoffs. Do we need to change the way we talk about Giannis's game? I get the feeling Doris can't hear you, Fitz, and I'm going to go ahead and rephrase that question. Doris, Fitz is wondering... I hear you, Sarah. Go ahead. Okay, well, you know what? This is the show I've always wanted to do, so it's great. (laughs) Just me and Doris kicking back, a couple of mentions, talking it up. Um, He was basically asking if watching what Giannis has done in this postseason against multiple teams now has to require us to talk differently about his game. I mean, it's a great question. I, I know there's been some chatter. I think Kendrick Perkins, uh, you know, our analyst on so many shows, has responded to, you know, whether or not, you know, there's broad-based appeal inside NBA circles for Giannis's game. You know, obviously, the guy is a two-time MVP, a defensive player of the year, and if they close the series tonight, he is in all likelihood going to be an MVP. You know, Listen, I don't know that people appreciated Shaq's game when Shaq was dominating the restricted area, right? There was no answer for Shaq physically. Uh, You know, incredible touch around the rim. And I know Giannis goes about it differently, uh, Fitz and Sarah, but I don't know how you can question the guy's accomplishments. And here's what I love about Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's about two things in my mind. He's about the work, and he's about his team and his organization, And that, to me, speaks volumes. You know, Pat Connaughton said something to us, Sarah, that I just, I absolutely love this. He said, because of who Giannis is, he doesn't come at you with ego or any kind of superstar attitude. Comes Mm -hmm. in every day, and he's treated like every one of us, and he works harder than any one of us. And what that does is it makes us want to play for Giannis. So to me... Listen, it enhances what has already been an incredible career. And you think about this guy, you know, middle of the first round, uh, obscure draft pick. Nobody knew what position he was going to play. And the guy has just paid a price to achieve what he's achieved. So I have all the respect in the world for him. I agree, Doris. And I think it sounds cheesy for some who maybe don't operate this way. But I love the opportunity to root for people who seem to be doing it right. And I love the opportunity to show a model to other folks of this guy who doesn't come in with the diva attitude, who expects to be treated the same, who puts in the work and then sees the results. And the way Giannis has been talking all week, I think he's been imparting some pretty big wisdom outside of just the game of basketball to back that up. Uh, Another thing I wanted to ask you, an ESPN NBA analyst, Doris Burke, is with me and Fitz, although she can't hear Fitz, which is fine with me. She's part of the ESPN radio broadcast for the NBA Finals. we got game six tonight coming up right after our Power Hour show. Um, 
Will this actually be a model for other teams? We just talked about how we love to see a smaller market that went out and got what they needed to support the star that they drafted to make him resign, keep him around, and then show you can win. I'd love to see that for someone like Dame Lillard or some of the other markets. Is it possible to actually follow this model, or is it easier to just keep doing the super teams in the big markets? No, it's a great question, Sarah, because obviously we've talked for how many years now about the NBA being a copycat league. Uh, you know, I do think, you know, there is an opportunity in smaller markets. You think about, uh, does Sam Presti ever reconsider the James Harden? I know he probably hates that conversation. <laughs> uh, but had he been able to commit that money at that time, which, you know, he he has made some, so many incredible uh, uh, moves over the years. But, you know, does he ever rethink that? Would he have liked to give that group one more run? Um, I don't know the answer. I do think, obviously, there it's harder in the smaller markets. Every decision maybe comes with greater weight because of the financial implications for things. Uh, I just respect the heck out of Milwaukee. Uh, you know, I think they've made smart moves. I think, obviously, you look at the top draft picks. I feel like I saw a note, and I don't want to misspeak here, uh, but, you know, how many lottery picks are on their team? Not many. That's for darn sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just a, a good, you know, well-rounded, well, uh, you know, excellent fit around Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, listen, hopefully that's, that's the case. And hopefully a lot of small markets, uh, if Milwaukee is able to close this, can take some, uh, some solace in the way they did it and how they did it. ESPN NBA analyst Doris Burke with us. Hey, 10 seconds or less, should we care at all about Scott Foster and Chris Ball being 2-15 and 15 in the last 17 games he officiates? No, I think it's ridiculous, to be honest okay. with you. I, I just do. It's a pretty big sample size, but hopefully will not be a factor tonight. Hey, Doris, enjoy the call. We'll be looking forward to it. Thanks so much for the time and for ignoring Fitz. It's something I've wanted to do for years. <laughs> you got it. Doris Burke, oh. the goat, with us here on Spain and Fitz. That was one of my favorite interviews ever. I mean, maybe the it wasn't best a bad question in the bunch. Ooh, God, I feel really good about my work in that one. It was good. It was good. Perfect. I'll let you take it from here, sir. All right. In that case, we got Candace Parker coming up next to talk about going home to Chicago to play for the Sky Team USA and that cover of NBA 2K. It's coming up next right here on Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Remember, it's a short show. We're getting you all the way up to game six of the NBA Finals between the Suns and the Bucks, which you can hear starting right here in just about half an hour. In the meantime, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, small business protection for more than vehicles with insurance expertise to keep your company moving forward. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Joining us now on the Goodyear Hotline, Chicago Sky superstar Candace Parker and media mogul as well, of course. But I want to focus on the Sky, Candace. I could not tell you how excited I was and how unbelievable it felt to be like, oh my gosh, we're getting an MVP coming our way instead of leaving. So has it met the expectations you had for coming back and playing in Chicago so far this season? You know, honestly, uh, it surpassed it. Um, the love, I forgot like what it was like to to, to play in the Midwest and to be a part of that, you know, it's been unbelievable off the court, but then just to be with the, the group of group of uh, ladies on the court, I've always um, enjoyed watching the style of play and, you know, obviously just get up and down the court transition is kind of what I want to do. So it's been, uh, it's been that and some. 
Well, obviously, you had to miss, miss part of the year with some injuries. I know it's tough to watch, but now that you've been able to get back in and help the, the team really make a run, what's that been like? Man, I'll tell you, I was a little disappointed to start the year. You know, obviously, you, you train, and my goal was to be in the best shape that I had, and I felt like I was, I was kind of hitting that, you know, in terms of being in great shape to start the season. I felt great in the first game, and then, bam, and shoot around, I, I rolled my ankle and was out for – it was day-to-day, but it ended up being three weeks. There was no way possible for me to play. So I think that kind of messed up our rhythm. We didn't really get a lot of time together. Um, and so now I think just with this break, we're going to be able to go back and get some really much-needed practice, and I think we'll definitely be better after after this break. Candace Parker is with us here on Spain and Fitz. I loved the enthusiasm that you had for Allie Quigley as she took a third straight three-point contest victory. You and Courtney Vandersloot, you know, on the sidelines, taking video. You called it the Allie Quigley Invitational. I think it should be officially renamed. I appreciate that. (laughs) But have you been able to quickly adjust to these new teammates? Did you know any of them particularly well before you came back? Allie, I have played with overseas. I actually played with her in Fenerbahce um, in Istanbul, Turkey. And then I have played against her for many, many years. When she was at DePaul, I was at Tennessee. And then again in high school, we played against each other. So, you know, I always knew she could shoot that thing. I'm so proud of her. The effort and energy that she puts into the game still. Um, One of the first to practice, always shooting, always, you know, working out, always getting up extra shots. And so it's just to see her be able to to play the way she is. Obviously, Diamond Shields went to Tennessee. Vandersloot, we played against each other a lot more than we played with. But Mm -hmm. just her style of play, her vision. And then Kalia Copper. I mean, she's one of those most underrated players. And I say that meaning, like, she honestly is going to be one of the top players in the league in a couple years. Uh, Her athleticism, her ability to finish around the basket, but also stretch the defense. So, for me, it's just a dream come true. Honestly, like, I'm looking at the – the you know young guns that we have where I could just throw the ball out and they just go get it in transition. Um, it, it's fun for me. Speaking of dream come true, I think about two-thirds of the people I've ever met in my life have the dream of at least being involved in a video game in some way. You are the first woman to be on the cover of NBA 2K. What's that mean? The kid in me, I'm telling you, growing up, um, I remember sitting on the couch while my brothers acted like I was playing, where my my controller wasn't even plugged into the PlayStation <laughs> when we were playing, and I was I was playing video games. I mean, that's how we grew up. I grew up, like, coming in at halftime of their games, and that was my time to kind of shine. I grew up wanting a sneaker, and so, like, to kind of realize all those things, um, I don't take it for granted, I'll tell you that. And I realized, like, it is great to be the first, um, but it is 2021, and I hope now there will be many, honestly. Yep. Um, I think that there's a place and there's a space in sports for women's sports, and it needs to be a priority. And I, I hope from here on out it will be. I couldn't agree more. I also love the first screenshot they released. You were given a little stink eye, and I appreciated that it felt very on brand. You were ready <laughs> to show everyone who was boss. Uh, Candace Parker's with us here on Spain and Fitz, superstar from my Chicago Sky also yeah. an incredible media member now, one of us while simultaneously playing. Let's talk a, a, a little bit about how you balance all that. You're on the 2K cover. You're playing for the Sky. You're doing media for TNT. And you should be on Team USA in addition to all that. Let's address that quickly because a lot of people considered you a snub this time. You were a snub last time, and then you told them, you know what, why don't you not put me on that list for a possible uh, playing on the team because you missed your opportunity. Is there resentment there? Is it hard to watch that team? Is difficult for you? 
No, I think it's great. I see, you know, obviously Chelsea Gray is one of my best friends. So to see her on the team realizing your dream. I mean, I've been fortunate enough. Like, listen, I, I've experienced the feeling of being on the podium and getting a gold medal around your nuts. There is nothing like that at all. Um, and I have tremendous respect for the game and for the players that, you know, are able to participate for USA basketball. But for me, for my experience, from what I'm trying to do, um, that relationship was over. Um, and I feel as though, you know, I think it's sometimes not what is done, it's the way in which things are done. And I think I was disappointed in the way in which it was handled and how, how we went forward. Um, so I think that, you know, I often joke, I'm like, if Layla picks up a ball, we might have to kind of figure out a passport situation. I mean, I guess <laughs> my brother's side of the family, you know, my brother's wife is Puerto Rican, so maybe Puerto Rico will be the passport. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I mean, with that being said, Candace, like we've talked on this show a lot about the controversy around Team USA and the way the women's team was constructed. What could be done to fix this in the future? You know, I think it's always um, it's always great to have growth and new, like something new, you know, like the breath of fresh air. And, you know, I think just in terms of generation, in terms of basketball, like the people that are able to evolve. And I, I guess I'm biased, obviously, because I, I look at Coach Summit and I look at the way in which she evolved from coaching even Tamika Catchings and Shamika Holskaw to then coaching our group. I think there, there's an evolution with that. And there's an evolution in the way and style and all that stuff, but there's also an evolution in, in, in thought and the way you're doing things and the way things are handled. So I think that, you know, that's gonna have to be i mean we're seeing the way that now grant hill is now taking over uh usa men's basketball we're gonna see how that happens and what and what happens there so i think that just constant evolution constant growth uh doesn't hurt anything candace parker with us here sarah spain jason fitz spain and fitz on espn radio you guys beat team usa in one of the best all-star games of any sport i've ever seen it was wild they had the over off by 50 points in vegas because they forgot that this was going to be something that had a little more meaning Wait a to it you than... didn't tell me that hold yeah. up rewind you know you that? that we were it was 50 are you serious yeah and the yeah. guy in vegas was oh. like i've made a grave error i kind of looked at it as an all-star game and i forgot that it was team wnba versus team usa that there were these stakes on the line they lost a lot of money on the over-under oh, wow. for that game. Um, it was an incredible that. watch. Um, you know a lot of those players. You want them to go out there and win a gold. Are there any concerns after first team WNBA wins, then they lose one of their warm-up games? Is there any reason for concern on a team that's been as dominant as they've been? Well, listen, um, you know, anytime you go into a situation, I mean, there's always a possibility. Uh, I think it's Greg Popovich that always talks about appropriate fear. I mean, you need to appropriately fear, fear your opponent. Like, you can't go in cocky and think just because you have USA across your chest that you're going to automatically win. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of factors. You got to have a little bit of luck. You got to have health. Um, you got to rebound, and you got to be able to defend. I think that teams that are going to give them problems. I mean, obviously, Liz Cambage is not in the Olympics um, anymore for Australia, but Australia was always a tough opponent for us. Russia in the past was always a tough opponent, as well as France. I mean, France has some of the most athletic front court and guards um, in the world. So I think that those matchups are, are games that are going to be fun, fun to watch. But listen, I always say this. USA basketball could field three teams. We could field probably four teams and probably walk away. And this is not being cocky. Like, this is, you know, I mean, you have some of the best women in, 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 in the world and probably walk away with a couple medals. So 
I think USA Basketball has to, you know, continue to do what they've done, and, you know, I wish them all the best. Candice, real quick before we let you go, obviously NBA Finals tonight, I, you do a million things. How much have you been able to keep up? Like, is there something that stood out to you in this series? Man, I think it's the others. Like, it's the other guys that are making names for themselves and proving why that they're, you know, why Phoenix is such a great team and why the Bucks are such a great team. And I'm also taking notes that things are never as bad as they seem and never as great. I mean, Phoenix had all but won the championship two games ago, right? Mm-hmm. And then now they're on the brink of elimination. <laughs> Same thing with Bucks. Bucks in two series against Brooklyn. Oh, they're done. One play. Now they're back in it. Then they win the series. Same thing in Phoenix. Phoenix series. Bucks are out of it. They've lost two games in a row. One play. Giannis blocked one shot, and now they're back in it. So I think for me as a competitor, I'm looking at this as it's never over until it's over. It really isn't. <laughs> Look at Candace. She's not that far into the media game. She's already so far ahead of everybody else who plays prisoner of the moment and has to have the Just big hot it. take right when it starts and then change that big hot take when the next thing sounds like. Unbelievable. <laughs> hey, Candace, thanks so much for the time. We know how busy you are. Thank you, and really looking forward to the second half of this Chicago Sky season. I have very, very big expectations, especially against Fitz's Aces. No. No, yeah. take it I easy really, on the Aces. Really That's all I ask. <laughs> Thanks, Candace. <laughs> appreciate you guys. Candace Parker brought take to you by Goodyear. Helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Uh, it's Just take it easy on the Aces. That's no. all I'm asking. No, we no, we're not going to. Okay. That's, that seems... All right. I got nothing. I got nothing. We got quickies. That's coming up next. We'll do it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. We got game six of the NBA Finals tonight. That's why we are a short power hour of Spain and Fitz. We're taking you into Bucks Suns as the Bucks try to close it out. Suns try to force seven. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you. ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average don't forget to subscribe spain and fitz podcast you can get it wherever you find your pods not only by the way fits that uh game six tonight but a pretty cool thing happening orioles rays happening right now and it's the first all-female broadcast crew alana rizzo sarah langs lauren gardner melanie newman heidi watney covering every aspect of that game uh pretty awesome shout out to those ladies wanted to give them a little bit of love very cool and uh we are out of time here this is our last segment so we gotta do some quickies and hit up some stuff quickies with spain and fits we get in and out of topics fast a very sad story coming out of the olympics unrelated to covid this time there are plenty of the other stories too but <laughs> poland had to send six swimmers back home due to a country error where they brought 23 but had to trim to 17 to comply with qualifying rules for the International Federation for Water Sports. This was an error by the president of Poland Swimming Federation. And Fitz, the, the videos are heartbreaking of the swimmers who got to stay hugging those who had been promised after five-plus years of training, sacrificing everything, flying over there, a spot to compete and it turns out, due to error from the Federation president, they just are sent right home. I mean, inexcusable mistake by someone who, like, what else have you had on your plate other than knowing right. exactly how many people can qualify for the Olympics if that's your job? So, you right. know, as much Thank as it's her. caused a lot of, of, you know, jokes today, uh, and, and certainly we've a lot of people have laughed at it, I, my heart breaks for the 
athletes to get all the way there and think that you have finally had your Olympic moment and then have it ripped away because somebody that was supposed to know these things was incompetent at their job. It's just absolutely heartbreaking for a lot of athletes. Just brutal. All right, next story. Quickies. While we are on the subject of the Olympics, which I am simultaneously incredibly excited for, I love the Olympics, and I personally know more athletes than ever in this one. So I've got personal connections to so many people that I want to have a great experience out there. I want them to compete and and enjoy it despite the lack of fans and all the weirdness. But Fitz, it's getting harder as we're now at 71 positive cases Um, The IOC uh, head of an expert panel assembled by them said this is a low number considering the percentage of of athletes that have come in, just 0.1% of people arriving from outside the country testing positive. But that's a very early number. We don't have the village filled as it will be. And we heard today that there was an acknowledgement of flexibility that if it was necessary, there is a possibility that the games could still be canceled but I don't see that happening, Fitz. We know this is not up to the Tokyo committee. It is up to the IOC. The amount of money they've already lost on this and knowing how much the money matters, probably something that they're going to push through unless it becomes an absolute must-case scenario to cancel. Yeah, it was still a little jarring for me to hear them even acknowledge, though, that it could be canceled at this late date. I mean, I, I think it, it plants another seed of doubt. and It reminds everybody that nothing is certain in today's environment around COVID. And, you know, I said this on the ESPN radio sports beat, but I'll reiterate that I think for fans that just believe that we're going to gloss right into the fall and everything's going to be okay. You got to look at what we're watching with the Olympics and say, okay, nothing is sure everything we think we know today could change by tomorrow. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz doing quickies. Let's move on. Quickies. All right, you and I are begrudgingly respectful of Tom Brady's accomplishments, but we can honestly say we weren't exactly rooting for the Bucks to win it all. I was excited that our girl, Coach Lori Locust, got to go to the White House today and celebrate, took a selfie with the president, and I was impressed by Tom's comedic timing. Brady throwing out some jokes today at the White House. We got on a roll. Not a lot of people, you know, think that we could have won. In fact, I think about 40% of the people still don't think we won. I understand that. You understand that, Mr. President? I understand that. Yeah. And personally, you know, it's nice for me to be back here. We had a game in Chicago where I forgot what down it was. I lost track of one down in 21 years of playing. And they started calling me Sleepy Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad. Not bad. Decent delivery. And for a guy who rarely says anything, and for a guy who has a lot of ties to to President Trump, an interesting angle for him to sort of subtweet, even though that former president is no longer on Twitter, uh, the former president with that 40% joke. Yeah, you know, I think we might need to start admitting that, like, this new version of Tom Brady is kind of a funny guy. It's funny. I'm not not prepared for it, but yeah. Like, he's likable. But he's got a personality ever since he left the Pats. And Spain and Fitz are doing quickies. Next story. Quickies. We've been hearing from a number of different collegiate. uh, We first heard, I think, the Big 12, now the SEC, potentially saying that you will have to forfeit games if you do not have enough players or you have a COVID spread that isn't under control in the past, last season, of course, there were concessions made for teams struggling and there were rescheduling. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey said today teams with COVID-19 issues could forfeit. Now, there are a lot of questions around this, Fitz. Number one, how enforceable is this and how are we keeping tabs on the teams and whether they are reporting honestly and being you know, forthright about this if there is a concern that they might forfeit a major game? It makes things a little more difficult in terms of rankings for the playoff system because you know, what's forfeit? means something in which forfeit doesn't say anything about the team's ability to play. Um, And also we know that vaccinated people can be 
uh, hit with these with these uh, virus, uh, uh, they can you know get COVID even though they are mostly asymptomatic. They still are required not to compete and to quarantine because we aren't 100 percent sure. Even though it's very unlikely that they spread it, we have to be careful. So you're potentially having a team that does everything right but lives in a state with not a lot of vaccinated folks. They get hit, and that's just the breaks. I, I like the idea of this. I don't know how enforceable it is. Yeah, I, the idea of it is really cute from Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, until it hits Alabama, right? Like, until they realize that the, the entire conference could lose playoff money because suddenly there's a forfeiture involving, you know, one of their big teams. I, that That's where I think the rubber meets the road. So I, as, as much as I like the hard line in the sand that we're hearing commissioners take across the, the entire college football landscape, I wonder how real that will be when it's actually time to enforce these policies and how real it'll be when you have to look at Nick Saban and say, sorry, dude, you're just going to forfeit this game to, you know, any low-level team that you would have killed anyway. So yeah, and I, I, I think I it's hard that. to execute. I know, I know that that's where you said the rubber meets the road. I want that to be what's on the line because we have already seen that these people will not prioritize their health, the health of their family and friends and teammates and coaches and staff, the good of the people, the good of the country, the good of the globe. If people are actively intending to be uneducated on this and to be ignorant, which is not an opinion, the facts are out there about the vaccine, the facts are out there about who's currently being hospitalized and who's currently recovering from covid you have to be vaccinated. And if it's about football and money instead, I don't really care if it's good. Get all those people who are only doing it for football and money. As long as they're vaccinated, it has achieved a purpose. To your point, though, they do have to follow through regardless of who it hits. And that's going to be tougher against schools like Alabama. Okay, we're running out of time here. That was Quickies. It's Spain and Fitz. We're sending you into game six of the NBA Finals. So, Fitz, what's the one thing that the have to do to win tonight? Uh, you cut out on me, so I have no idea what you just asked me. What's the one the thing, one the, Bucks thing have... the Suns have to do to win tonight? Oh, the, the Suns have to come out and figure out a way to get Chris Paul uh, the ball. They have to figure out a way to have everything run through Chris Paul, and they got to figure out a way to at least slow down Giannis, which I don't think they're going to be able to do. I think the Bucks are going to win big tonight. I think the Bucks are going to win as well. I agree. It's about running the offense through Chris Paul, getting those driving kicks and the pick and roll and everything else. And it is also about finishing something we haven't seen them do in the last couple of mm-hmm. games, despite playing pretty well. I think the Bucks will win it tonight. Everybody enjoy Game 6 coming up next. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.